This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work It. If you are a regular listener, we want to take a moment to thank you for your time. And if this is your first episode, well, you've missed out on some of the best conversations we've had about work and career. Yep, we've spoken about burnout, being stuck in a role and the challenges of managing a different generation. Today, we're tackling something of a heavy subject. I've been quite lucky so far, touch wood, in that all the time that I've worked, I have not been made redundant. Now, that's corporate speak for being retrenched, being let go. In the old days, it was called being given the pink slip even, right? So, as has been the case with our pod, Adrian's experience is completely different from mine. Oh yes, I have come across two and a half times of retrenchment. Wow. The first time was during the dot-com era. I was with obviously a dot-com and 75% of the companies got laid off. I was one of them. But having said that, I was still pretty young. I did not really know how to process it. And given that so many people were let go at the same time, I actually found solace in the companionship (laughs) that many of us are leaving instead of staying. And stupidly, I joined another dot-com and then I gana again. (laughs) <laughs> and in 2003, this is where the half instance came about. I joined a company that actually distributes spare parts for airliners. So I mm. thought, okay, I'm safe. No more dot-com nonsense. Then SARS came along. People stopped Ooh. flying. And because of that, the company gonna. My friend was telling me, well, you seem to be the jinx, you know. Everywhere you go, uh, crash and burn. <laughs> so there was an emergency meeting by the MD. Things is going okay, don't worry. One week later, he resigned. And I'm like, ah, I think I'm facing another retrenchment. So that's where the half instance actually came about. But did you get retrenched? Uh, eventually, I did not stay long enough. I actually jumped. I left and mm. that was where I started my own business. And the rest is history. Ah, okay. So quit before they dump you, basically. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, I dumped right. them before they dumped me. La. Yeah, yeah. That works, right? Okay, so at the height of COVID, like Adrian said... Something like SARS hits and you have absolutely no clue it was coming. Completely like a black swan event, like they say. So the same happened with COVID, right? When businesses basically ground to a halt, retrenchments in Singapore started climbing. As with other parts of the world, we hit pretty record highs in 2020. More than 26,000 people lost their jobs. And that must have been really scary, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Thankfully, the labour market has since improved a lot, according to data. In the second quarter of 2022, retrenchments were just over 2,300. But here's the thing, there are still sectors going through some churn. I still hear about people losing their jobs. Even on LinkedIn, I see some posts saying that, oh, they're open to work, they've been let go. And as you know, tech, this is kind of like .com 3.0 or something. Crypto, Shopee, Stashaway, Tesla are some of the tech companies who have recently shed jobs. And then now, we keep hearing economists talk about a looming recession and recession is always bad for employees, isn't it? To talk us through the topic of retrenchment, the aftermath and the transformation that can take place is Mr. Stephen Locke who himself has an interesting personal story to share. 
Today though, Stephen runs his own business and is a leadership coach. Welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, Stephen, thanks for coming on. Perhaps we can give our listeners a bit of a summarized version of your career so that they have context at how you arrived at your current role and what your journey has been. For the first 25 years of my working life, I was with various companies, local and multinational companies. I was retrenched at the end of 2012. And that company that I was with was an American company, a specialty chemicals company. So I was with that company for almost 13 years. Then the worst happened. Yeah? Yeah. So I was told that my role was made redundant. And that came about because the company was going through a lot of structural changes. I see. Um, it went through a lot of acquisitions and mergers. So a lot of M&As during the whole 13 years I was with them. First, they started off buying and selling small business units, very small ones. So the number of people affected when those M&As happened, those small ones, they were just a handful. Perhaps mm. like a, a department, a function, or perhaps the biggest was just a division. The M&As got bigger and bigger over the years. It culminated with a huge acquisition or a merger. What they did was they went out and they bought another company of the same size. Normally, acquisitions, the company would go out and buy smaller companies and then integrate those smaller businesses into their main business. But in this case, they went out to buy another business that was of the same size. What ended up was, I would call it a corporate indigestion. (laughs) (laughs) They had a lot of problems trying to, to integrate the other business because it was exactly the same size. And both sides were trying to exert their influence over one another. Sounds like a lot of turmoil, Stephen. A lot of turmoil. It's very strange. Usually the acquiring company will dictate the direction of the business, right? Yes. But in this case, what happened was just the opposite. After the acquisition, the acquired business started to set the direction and take over the main company, which I was with at that time. It sounds like my marriage. La. I married my <laughs> wife, but then she set the tone for our life. Yes, yeah, la, something like that. La. The other party sets the, the direction and makes the decisions in the end, right? So from that point onwards, things got a little bit uh, messy. Yeah. And eventually they decided that, hey, you know what? The indigestion was too much. They couldn't mm. quite handle it. And they decided to sell off half the global business. So 50% wow. of that merged entity, they decided to sell it off. Globally. How many people were involved in this? Even if you say a division or a department, to me, that sounds like a lot of people, right? That's a lot of jobs. That's a lot of lives. Oh, yes. So when 50% of the workforce, you're talking about what, thousands of jobs? Yes. Definitely more than several hundred, probably 2,000 maybe. I don't have the exact figures though. The signs were getting pretty obvious. First, it was my boss's boss was let go. Then I got Mm -hmm. news that, hey, my boss's boss... It's gone. So I was thinking, oh, no, this nightmare is starting to happen. To be very honest, I was sort of in a denial stage. Right. So, ah, you know, it's so far away. It's in the US. My boss's boss got laid off. Ah, maybe it won't happen to me. This has happened to you for the first time, right? You've never for experienced anything like this before. So yes, you also don't time. know how to think, how to react. It's just going with the flow, right? Yes, yes, yes. Honestly, when that happened, I, I wasn't thinking far ahead, you know. Uh, I wasn't thinking, ah, this will happen to me. I don't have to prepare, you know. But when my boss left the company, Mm. that was the point when it really hit me. 
it was very obvious that I was next in line. Then my boss disappeared because I was trying to text him, I was trying to email him, I was trying to call him, and he didn't reply <laughs> my messages. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, my boss and I, we are, we are pretty close. In fact, until today, we are still in contact. We left the company like 10 years ago. What I had was his home number. Because when I emailed him, it was like total silence. No reply at all. So I decided I'll call him up at home. Because he was based in the US and I'm here in Singapore. There's a 12-hour difference. And that was when he actually told me that, hey, he's been laid off. When I heard that news, the first thought that came to my mind was, ah, I will be next. It was pretty clear. It was very obvious. The writing was on the wall. And how soon after did the retrenchment news came to you then? From that phone call until the thing happened to you? I can't exactly remember how long, but it took a couple of months. Maybe two, three months after that, the HR came to me. Wow, that's a long time to wait, right? For the axe to fall in a way. My situation was a little bit different because some people get the retrenchments like a notice like 24 hours before. The day before, they tell you, Tomorrow, we'll escort you out the door. That's it. For my case, it was a little different. Some would say a bit more humane. Mm. I got the notice eight months before they let me go. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mentioned earlier that I left the company at the end of 2012, right? So, they yeah. told me sometime in April that year. Because what they wanted me to do was to do all the handing over. Because at that time, I was holding the position of head of regional IT for Asia Pacific. So, they told me eight months before... And when they told me that, it's hard to process. But I still remember the time when the HR director came knocking on my door. And then he came in, he sat down, can I have a word with you? I said, oh, yeah. At the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, damn. It's never good. Lah. It's never good when HR want to have a word with you. Exactly. And he came in, he closed the door somehow. <laughs> <laughs> can we keep it open, please? <laughs> Trying to delay the inevitable. You know, that picture, you know, that image is still quite fresh in my mind, even though it was like more than 10 years ago. You know? uh, mm. So he sat down in front of me and he said, as you know, the company is going through all the structural changes. You know all that story lah, that they will give you. And they say, um, unfortunately, your position has been made redundant. I was just sitting there looking at him with a fake smile on my face, <laughs> trying to process, oh, what the heck is happening here? Right. Uh, so finally, finally, the news has come to me and I'm affected. Just kept quiet and listened to him. Now. What else do you expect me to say? Uh, after he had finished, then he said, we'll put you through a transition. So we'll assign you a career coach. We'll help you to move on from here. So I said, thank you. And that's it. So that day when I left the office, I went home, I told my wife, I said, ah, that's it, end of journey for me. Um, mm. I've got a few months to prepare and then I have to decide yes. what I'm going to do next. Am I going to continue looking for another job, find a, a similar role and then you know go through the same corporate grind again, which right. I've been doing for the last 20, 25 years, or do something new? Yeah, let's hold that thought because we have yep. quite a few things. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, you mentioned a few telltale signs that you have seen when right. you spoke with your boss. Right. There was this moment of anticipation. And also, of course, until the day where HR came to you, hey, Stephen, i got to work with you. Uh, and, of course, the merger and acquisition that has been happening over the past decade within the company, that every time there's an M&A, somehow people were let go. Uh, these are obviously very clear telltale signs. Are there any other signs within the organizations that also came together that reinforce your belief that uh, things are going to hit the fan? Actually, to be honest, sometimes it's, it's a, a bit difficult to tell 
Yeah. yeah. Because you were saying, right, that some people are given 24 hours and like asked to leave the building with their box of uh, you know belongings. <laughs> yeah. I always have this image when they cover stories like this. I'm thinking, is there always a sign? Like, do people quiet, fire you or I don't know? Do yeah, you- I've heard mm. situations where people were suddenly omitted from regular meetings. Yes. Uh, a lot of closed door, last minute senior management meetings. Of course, you have instances where when it's closer to the X being dropped, your access card doesn't work, you know, those kind of stuff. Oh my God, that's so painful. Actually, it depends on how close you are to the management team. The further away you are from the core team, the lesser you will know. Take, Mm. for example, those right at the front lines. Yeah, like the factory workers, for example, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it depends on how close you are to the to the management team or the core team. Because if you are in the office every day, you know and you can sense if something is not quite right. But when right. you're not in the office, uh, you're far away from the office or the core team, then chances of you knowing what's happening are very, very slim. So for those people, it might come as a huge surprise. Yeah. But for you, definitely, you knew it like yeah. three months before because you managed to speak with your boss and all that, right? And then you had an eight-month easing out period, right? Would you say yeah. that's way better for people than to be told, okay, you got to pack up and go now? Good and bad, pros and cons. At the end of the day, you know that you are leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's two months, three months, eight months, or one year, yeah, you know that the end of the road. It's somewhat like dragging out a divorce. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. How are you dealing with it mentally and emotionally, knowing wow. that you're inching towards the door, but still, every day you have to turn up to work to be productive or pretend to be productive. <laughs> how, do you, how do you deal with all that? And does it affect your work as well as even your personal life? To be totally honest, it was a mixed bag of feelings. On one hand, you know that you're supposed to put in the same level of work right, until you're let go. But on the other hand, you're also thinking that, hey, since you're already not interested in me, why should I go and put in 100% work for them? Also, oh, you quiet quitted before the term was even invented. Now there is already so many years ago, I'll tell you, yes, I kind of switched off. <laughs> that feels like a normal human behavior. It's so yeah. weird to be so committed to, to a company if you've already been let go, right? Those things that I was supposed to do, those basic stuff, I still got those things done. Of course. But yeah. I wasn't 100%. To be totally honest, I wasn't 100%. In fact, I used that eight months to prepare for my next phase. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a normal plan to me. Yeah. It was a good and bad situation, right? The good thing is that they gave me enough runway for preparation. The bad thing is that they gave me too much runway. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I took that eight months to decide what I wanted to do for my next phase. I started using that eight months to prepare. Hi, I'm Stephen Chia, and I host the new season of our podcast, Heart of the Matter. Join me in getting right to the heart of the headlines as we speak with experts and newsmakers to delve deep into the most talked about news developments. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I imagine that being told that you don't have a job anymore is really quite emotional, right? There's shock, there's panic. And this is why the financial folks will tell you, oh, you need to have an emergency fund for at least six months or whatever. But it cannot be easy because it's easy to tell someone, okay, don't worry, things will be fine. In your experience, what did you find helpful? And conversely, what did you find unhelpful when you were going through this? Mm. 
Okay. Actually, a few things. One is your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your family, mm -hmm. and your social circles, your friends. Because all this will work together to help support you through that difficult time. There are some people who say that you know you get retrenched, then you, you can't recover because you're wallowing in self-pity and all that stuff. But there are a lot of things you can do. And then these are the four things that I actually did. That I took up more physical exercise because we know that exercise uh, produces the happy hormones in you, mm -hmm. right? Second is spiritual. If you have somebody, a spiritual leader that you can go to, talk to, yeah, go to them, whether it's Christian, you're a Buddhist, you're Catholic, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, the other thing is um, your family. Family support has to be unwavering. It doesn't help when you just lost your job, you come back home, and then your family members say, why did you lose your job? How come you cannot keep your job? I mean, that doesn't help. The fourth was your social circles. Every one of us, we have got friends. Talk to your friends. In fact, that is one of the most important things that you can do. So social support, family support, your physical well-being and your spiritual well-being, they all mm -hmm. work together to help you through this kind of difficult journey or difficult situation. Adrian, did you have that experience as well? I think I was probably too young to process all that. Mm. And given the life stage, it was completely different. I mean, I was still staying with my mom. I was barely contributing to the household. Even losing a job was the worst that can happen. And of course, the fact of the matter is after that, I jumped into my own business, which got me occupied a lot. But uh, along the way, of course, since those retrenchments, I was fired from jobs after that. Right. And that was when my life stage was a bit different. You have mm. your liabilities, la, your house to pay, la, you have kids to take care of. La. But what Stephen mentioned to me definitely would be very important. I immediately called my wife, text my friend, and all those support really helped to somewhat reduce the emotional roller coaster or stabilize the emotional roller coaster. Uh, mm. But I think importantly, also the financial runway, right? Because you do not know what's going to happen next, how much time you will need to find something else. I wanted to pick up something on what Adrian said. When he was young and he was let go, it was okay. So you see, if I were a young 20-something working in Shopee or Lazada or whatever, and then they told me I don't have a job, I'm, I'm sure I could get a job tomorrow or the week after. If I'm 40-something, 50, and I'm let go, that's like a completely different ballgame altogether, isn't mm. it? There are people in that group who find it very hard. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Legitimately. And it's mm. not because they don't want to reskill or upskill or whatever. It's just that their entire lives were spent on an industry that no longer exists, for example, right. or has pivoted away completely. It depends on just who you are when you are let go. But I think it's yeah. not just the fact that they lost their job. They may have also lost their professional identity, which they exactly. cannot find back because, like Absolutely. you said, Christina, yeah. the industry no longer exists. That is actually a glaring problem amongst our workforce. From the people I've spoken with, those who have been retrained, I've spoken with quite a few. One of the biggest problems is that most of us are so-called married to our jobs. It becomes a part of us, our identity, mm. right? Sometimes we get mixed up, you know, the job is us and we are the job, mm. right? And we put 150% of us into the job. And then when we lose our job, we feel that we have lost our identity. Mm. Yeah? There is one glaring problem that most of us have here in Singapore, the workforce, particularly for those middle-aged and older. So when okay. I was let go, I was in my early 40s. Mm. I felt the same way. I gave my all to the company, right? right? For those 
13 years, I gave 150% to the company. And then when they told me that they no longer needed me, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, what am I supposed to do? Because all the years I've not exactly upgraded myself, kept with mm-hmm. the trends out there. I, I felt very lost. I didn't know what to do. Do I start my own company? Do I go and look for another job? Or do I wait for six months or what? Totally lost. The point I'm trying to make here is this. No matter how much you love your job, you need to keep up with the trends outside. Right. Keep upgrading, keep moving forward, learn new mm. things, even though you are in a job today. Because right. you know, one day when you lose your job, that will happen to many of us. One day mm. you may lose your job. And when you lose your job, and if you have not been keeping up with the trends in the market, upgrading yourself, learning new things, at least try to be more adaptable. Right. Yeah. Learn right. to be a bit more flexible. That's probably one of the best ways for you to help cushion that impact if one day that happens to you. Now, before we dive a bit more into getting back into the market, I think one of the key things that may be going through the minds of people who might be going through this situation is really the payout, the severance. People have this impression, oh, you know, you've gotten a six-figure payout mm-hmm. la, and all that. But what a lot of people don't know is retrenchment benefits are actually not mandated at right. all. Right. Entirely up to the company. Of course, MOM has guidelines, recommendations, but it's still not mandated. What, what should one know about this payout when it comes to it? Are there anything that they can look through carefully? What are some of the lessons that you picked up from your personal experience? For my case, I had a pretty decent payout, one month per year of service for them. So essentially, I got 13 months of pay, mm. which is equivalent to a whole year's pay. Yeah. So that's a tough one because, again, it depends on where you are on the corporate ladder. The higher you are on the corporate ladder, the easier for you to negotiate for something. The further down you are on the corporate ladder, the more difficult it is because those more senior ones could probably work something into their employment contract from day one. Right. That, you know, yeah. if something happens, you, you ask me to go, you know, then you have to pay me a certain sum. Yeah. But for those further down the, the corporate ladder, that one is going to be very, very tough. I guess that's probably the reason why MOM came out with those guidelines. Yes. Yeah, to yeah. cover those who don't have that kind of sure. advantage. Right. I can only speak for those who are more senior. If you go into a company, you join a company at a certain level, then you should try to talk about severance package. Uh, although not, not mm-hmm. all companies would entertain you for that, but at least you need to bring it up and have that conversation with whoever is hiring you. We can't leave it to companies to be fair, but that's the idea that MOM's guidelines are saying Mm -hmm. that, come on, if somebody has given their life to your company more than two years, then please make sure that they are at least taken care of financially in some way, because that burden will eventually fall on the state, for example. I mean, you can't have people out of job not having money to take care of their families, etc., etc. So hopefully employers are more aware of that. So let's talk about the aftermath. We actually have read a lot of stories about people who, after being retrenched, and Adrian is the perfect example of this, suddenly realise, okay, (laughs) this is the time for me to now figure out what I really want to do. And then you take off from there. So tell me your pivot. If you could just summarize for our listeners, right? What was that moment when you realized, okay, this is where I'm going to move to a completely different thing? Well, 
it became very clear to me that I didn't want to go back to the corporate world to repeat the same old grind, the same old thing, and all the office politics and all that stuff. I wanted to do something different. Mm. So I told my wife that maybe I'll just come out and strike it out on my own, do something completely different. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so I was nothing in a to do with IT. <laughs> nothing to do with IT. Yeah, I decided I'll just drop everything, turn around, and walk away from it. Yeah, mm. um, good and bad, lah. I decided, hey, I've got a lot of corporate experience. A lot of things I've learned from the corporate world. So I thought maybe I'll just repackage those and then bring it out to the training industry, you know, mm. to, to teach people how to do certain things. Right. Yeah, that was the pivot for me. I decided, no, I don't want to do that the same old rubbish all over again. I'm going to do something new. So basically, look at your transferable skills and see where yes. else you can apply yes. them. Yes, exactly. Just imagine if you hadn't been retrenched. Perhaps you would have been still in IT. Maybe. Oh, I dread that thought. (laughs) (laughs) Given that they've never given you an actual end date, you may still be serving your notice. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe. For for another 13 years. Another 13 years, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Please, I will not entertain that thought. (laughs) (laughs) So, in order to pivot, you then had to start from scratch, right? So, you need to go and network, you need to go and learn all this stuff and set up your own company, etc. Yeah, Adrian, you, you did that too, right? You became an entrepreneur. Oh, yes. And to me, that is really one of the best thing because that has really put me on a different trajectory, a different path uh, and exposed me to so many things which I am quite confident to say I would never learn in any organization because I'm just forced to do everything myself. Mm. From accounting to selling to cleaning the toilet, everything you have to <laughs> DIY. You don't have a choice. Of course, along the way, also a lot of mistakes made. Lah. I'm very certain, Stephen, for you as well, it wouldn't probably be all fairy Smooth, tale, there yeah. has to be some oh. roller coaster. What were some of the missteps in hindsight that was just terrible or you should have avoided altogether? You're right. Not a bit of roses. In fact, there were more thorns than roses. One of the biggest pitfalls or challenges that I had was actually financial. Even though I had the payout from the retrenchment, you don't just take everything and then dump it into a new business. You really don't know what's going to happen. What I did was I decided to bootstrap. Started from almost zero, nothing. Even the finances was very little. And I'll tell you, it was a struggle for the first couple of years because Mm. I had no network, no connections, no clients, no money. (laughs) All I had was me and what I had in my head. (laughs) The first few years was tough, really tough. Make sure that you have uh, sufficient funds. You don't have to have a million dollars, but you must have sufficient funds because you don't want that hanging over your head thinking that, oh, Bank account is almost nothing. And how am I supposed to do something without money? You have to have some minimal amount of funds to yeah. keep you going. Use that to help you to, to churn that cycle, yeah, mm. to survive for at least a, a period of time. Second is the support from family members. You need to have absolute 100% They support. definitely need to be patient, right? Your wife must have been Ex- thinking, exactly. wow, two years and he's still struggling. What's going on? I don't know whether I can be so patient. (laughs) You're spot on. Sometimes it's tough to tell your wife or your partner, your spouse, Mm, that there's still nothing. I'm still trying to find my first client. Mm. (laughs) I imagine the conversation during Chinese New Year reunion must be painful, right? Especially to to your father-in-law, to your parents-in-law. You know what? I try to avoid all those gatherings (laughs) and (laughs) get-togethers. 
<laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm guessing your wife was also working, right? So that would have helped. You know, there's always someone who has a stable financial situation. So that's yes. another yes. thing. Yeah. Yes, that's important. Mm. But in terms of lifestyle, did you adjust drastically to cater to the lack of income? Yes. In, fact, in this that, case, no income. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say drastically, but there was an obvious downgrade, I would say. Mm. Yeah. So there are things that we decided that we should forego. So some of those luxury things, you know. And one of the things that we gave up was going to the restaurants too often. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so, costly. Oh, yes. And the kind of things that we buy, we went for the cheaper alternatives. Sure. So there will be some adjustments in your lifestyle and mm. also in your expectations. There will be definitely adjustments. But that sounds like a good thing, Stephen. Will you consume less? You don't waste so much money. I know it's painful, but it feels like a good thing to eventually embrace. It's like a detox, right? Yeah, it's like a detox. Actually, now that you've brought it up, I think it is a very good thing because once you have lowered your expectations and adjusted your lifestyle, you come to a very comfortable level. And then when the similar turmoil starts again, the retrenchment starting again, expectations of recession coming perhaps next year, you are in a position that makes you feel that... You can weather this. Yeah, I can weather this mm. this kind of storm mm. at least for a while. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. when it happens again, I'll be okay. You'll be okay because I'll you've be got okay. practice, right? And exactly. you've got the systems exactly. in place already. Yeah. If you could distill one thing you learn about yourself going through this, what would it be? The word that comes to mind is adaptable, flexible. Mm. Life is never linear. It only seems linear on hindsight. You look back and you think that, yeah, you know, those are the steps that I took. But actually, life is pretty random. (laughs) So you don't know what's going to come. You don't know what's around the bend, right? Yeah. You have no idea. The thing is, stay nimble, stay flexible, stay adaptable. But in order to be able to be adaptable, flexible, and nimble, you need to stay aware of what's happening. You need to keep learning and then acquiring new skills, if I may say. Right. It doesn't have to be the skills or the knowledge that you are already familiar with. You need to mm. have a bit of a horizontal or lateral movement there. You learn something on the sides, related stuff, or perhaps even non-related stuff. It doesn't matter. Sure. But the important thing is that you need to keep up, keep moving, and just stay nimble, adaptable. That helps. Thanks, Stephen. What's clear to me from our discussion is that, as you say, you don't know what's around the bend. The world is in a constant flux, right? Just the other day, I had a chance to see a team present how artificial intelligence is helping companies deal with the most mundane and repetitive tasks. And it got me thinking, oh my gosh, how unfair it can be for someone to have learned and become so good at that skill, only to have it replaced someday. Right. Some of us, uh, they will call it progress. But humans have shown that we can successfully evolve, finding new abilities to adapt to changing environments, as our guest today has done so. And for me, being retrenched shaped my own evolution. It has really uh, brought me new lens to how things have happened and to go through all the different kind of new opportunity that I would right. never have. And in fact, I, would, I dare say if I had stayed in that job, if uh, things went well during the dot-com era, I probably wouldn't be speaking with everyone right now. 
There you have it. If you'd like us to cover a topic you are keen to hear, please get in touch with us at cnapodcasts at mediacorp.com.sg. I'm Crispina and the team comprises Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan and Daniel Lee. And I'm Adrian Tan. Till we meet next week. <laughs>